Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trigiani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Funnett. This is Best to the Nest, the podcast that is all about creating happy, healthy, beautiful homes that prepare us to fly. Oh, goodness. All right, Marjorie. It is so nice to get to talk to you. And we are friends, very good friends. Yes. And we also talk a lot about relationships with other friends. And so the topic today is friendship, where we are going to discuss this idea of friendship, how it works how it sometimes doesn't work, and how it really can be important to making your nest like a holistic support system. Essential. And and quickly to our friendship, I consider you one of my dearest friends. Agreed. And what's funny about that, it was like an arranged friendship. (laughs) It totally was, by your husband, Ian. Well, kind of, and then by our bosses. Yes. You know, which is sort of funny to me that... We essentially were given a play date, which was nine to noon every day that we were supposed to play together. <laughs> and then we, we were began... supposed to have conversations like yeah. friends and then and we... get paid for it. So that was a pretty good deal. That was a great deal. And I will always, um, when I think about our friendship, it is so special to me because I feel like not only was it arranged by my husband, that in some way it was divine. I agree. And you were you came into my life at a time when I most needed a girlfriend. I have a lot of friend friends. I really do in the sense that casual sort of, but real girlfriends that I could call with real problems, I don't do that a lot. And so this is really interesting and important to me. I think so too. And I think that, you know, the boundaries with friendships are interesting and how to maintain a friendship. Maintaining friendships is something that I probably am not the best at. Oh, I'm the worst. I bet I'm worse than you. (laughs) Well, yeah, you might be. That being said, (laughs) I've also lived in the same place for a long time. Like I really have had this sort of mentality. I've held on to a few dear friends from each place I've lived Mm -hmm. and then... The rest, I'm really okay with letting go. I don't feel this pressure that I have to maintain a million friendships. Yeah, I, I actually just, have friends who I think have too many friends. <laughs> so, like, I and totally I'm like, how do you manage this? I mean, I have a very good friend, and if she's listening to this, she'll know that I'm talking about her. Because she, I remember a few years ago her being like, I have to go on this girls weekend. And I don't, every time I'm with these girls, I feel drained at the end of it. I feel not great. I feel just like, oh my gosh, exhausted. Yeah. And I was like, you've got a limit your time with these friends. I mean, and they were, the hard thing was, is that they're friends that were from, I don't know, it was either high school or college. So they had been friends for a long, long time. So there was a lot of history there, but I do think it's really important to be constantly examining your friendships and being okay with the idea that you can be close friends with people for a certain time in your life and it's okay to let it go. And then it's okay to ease back in just because you say, someone is your friend, it doesn't mean that it has to be this like ride or 
die thing right. that you're committed to for life. And I think Minnesotans are particularly odd about this. And I'm speaking as a homegrown Minnesotan. I think there are a lot of similarities between Minnesotans and I grew up in Chicago in cities where there are these strong neighborhoods where people stick for their whole life. They stay, yes. They stay. And I think it's more difficult. Like, it's it's easy for me to say, oh, I could let go of my high school friendships. Well, I left high school when I was 17. I mean, I didn't yeah. even spend my senior year with most of my high school friends. And then I, I've been moving cities my whole life. I think it's harder to say let go of those friends when they still live 20 minutes from you and yeah. you still there's still an expectation oh the girls from high school are all getting together we should get together I will say though for me I have been able to I don't maintain friendships well there are lots of people that are in cities that I used to live in that I absolutely adored and the friendships I didn't maintain them and so they fizzle of course they do people's lives go on and there's a small bit of sadness in that for me that I wish I had like picked one per city and just said, okay, that's the one. That's the one that I'm going to maintain. But but the flip side of that is I also feel blessed with all of these amazing people that have passed through my life. Now, to the, to the energy piece of it, I would say anytime a friendship group or a friendship is an energy drain, you really, really got to rethink that because really nobody's got time for that. I know. And I, I, I can't even imagine going on a weekend where I would come back not replenished. That would totally. be the last one I would ever go on. I agree. And I one thing about my friendships that I feel really sort of proud of is that I I don't have a lot of friendships with a ton of expectations that are oh, built in. This is why we're friends. I know. This is why we're friends. And and I really I think that I I don't know if it's like a I think it's probably conscious now, but I do think it was sort of subconscious then and probably a real sign of both you and I have a real fierce independent streak. Yes, we do. And so it's almost been a real blessing because I just don't get myself into friendships where there's just a ton expected. Like I am very close with a few of my high school girlfriends right. and there are a couple of things that are sort of expected, but not really. I mean, even if like somebody is in town and it's a holiday party, if you can't make it, then you can't make it. And, and there no really judgment. isn't a question asked and there's no judgment. I mean, yeah. it's definitely a, oh my gosh, we're going to miss you. We right. would have loved to have seen you, but it's not a judgment or anything like that. And and that's been a real positive. And then the other thing, Marjorie, that I've found too is that I'm really open to falling back into a friendship Whenever. So, for example, my friend that I just went and visited in Chicago. So last weekend I was in Chicago. I took Bernie on a girl's trip. And we actually went and stayed with my first friend from college. Her name is Megan. She was my next-door neighbor in the dorms. She was the first person I met when I got to the University of Wisconsin, the great University of (laughs) Wisconsin-Madison. Go Badgers on Wisconsin. I will say you are, very, was, you are very loyal to your school. I, I am very that. loyal to my school. Yes, I am. I'm a Badger till I die. So <laughs> one, you know, one thing about Megan is that Megan and I were really, really close the first couple of years of college. And then we sort of found different friends yep. within the same group of people that we knew. And then she moved to Chicago and I moved places and we would see each other every few years. I was invited to her wedding and it was a super overwhelming time when I was working weekends and all this stuff, and I couldn't go. I invited her to my wedding, and it was a really overwhelming time for her. She was going through a lot personally, and she couldn't go. And there was absolutely 
absolutely no feeling of resentment or anything. And I hadn't seen her in several years. And I just let her know, hey, I want to come to Chicago. I want to bring Bernie. And she said, we want you to stay with us. Will you come and stay with us? And she said, I'll pick you up. We could get the kids together. She has five-year-old twins that I'd never met. She met my four-year-old one time when she was in town for a wedding and we met up for brunch and Bernie was probably six months old. And what was so amazing about that is that it is such a good reminder that in life, when you have a connection with someone, just because you don't talk to that person all the time or you didn't go to each other's weddings or you don't see each other all the time that there is a beautiful opportunity to just sort of fall right back in with that person. Yeah. And it was such a lovely weekend. And talk about like spending a weekend and feeling replenished. I mean, we were just having conversations about how wonderful it is that when you have that strong of a connection with someone, there's no need to feel guilt or sadness or regret about what you didn't do at certain times in life. Yep. You can use the opportunity of that connection to sort of reboot any time. And I think that's so beautiful. And that's beautiful because of the relationship between the two of you. Many women, and I'll just speak for women, don't do that very well. Yeah. That if, if sort of the friendship goes by the wayside, if there's anger, if there's hurt, or if somebody feels slighted, or, oh, you didn't come to my wedding, so you're not my friend anymore, right. all of that, I, 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 don't, I wouldn't even know what to do with that because I agree with you. I think that especially friends, as I have gotten older, friends that have history, that when they come back into your life, there's sort of a different flavor to the, that friendship. I mean, one of my my dearest friends, I see maybe once a year, mm-hmm. and we talk maybe twice a year. But I have known her since sixth grade, and she lives in Milan now, so it's not easy to see her. But she has made but a, a point. good trip, a good excuse to go. Good, good FYI, ex- <laughs> yes. But I mean, my husband was in had to go to a conference in Paris over the summer, so we were going to Paris. I called Mimi and said, "Can you meet me in Paris?" Of course. And she's there. And so, but she's, what's so special about her, and I think she was really the one that in high school, we became very good friends our junior year of high school. We, we, we've we known each other since we were 11, but the friendship really became something, I think, other than when we were juniors in high school. And my senior year, I had gotten a job as a page in Washington, so I was going to spend, as a 17-year-old, by myself, I was going to Washington. Coincidentally, her father got transferred to Washington oh, the wow. same year. So both of us left our all-girl Catholic high school together to go to Washington. And we were already best friends junior years. It was so strange. But through the years, she she has been the one that has taught me what it means to always sort of stay connected. She has made a point to visit me in every city that I live in. Oh, wow. She's never missed a city. And mm-hmm. so it's just the sweetest thing. And we have both, me probably more than her, I have missed so many major events in her life. And there has never been a sense of guilt or shame or you're not carrying the weight of this friendship. And I always say to her, like, she will mean the world to me. If she said tomorrow, you know what, we're not going to be friends anymore. I'd be like, fine, you've done your duty. Like, you've been a great <laughs> friend to me. But it's just, there's something about, you know, she's the one person that knew my parents. Like, she knew my sisters. So there's mm-hmm. such a deep, rich history to our life together that it would make me sad 
if she decided not to be my friend anymore. But at the same time, I have such gratitude for how long and how well she's stuck with me and what she's taught me about friendship. She's just well, she's wonderful. I love that. And I don't think Mimi is going to tell you she doesn't want to be friends. But I do <laughs> love that you bring up that idea of letting a friendship go and what that involves. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I think I've never understood this feeling that we have to hold on to every single relationship. If you don't continue a relationship, that it does some sort of disservice. I remember having a really close friend when I worked in Green Bay and we spent a ton of time together and she was, we had a lot in common. It was really great and I loved spending time with her. And then she moved And I remember I was in the city that she moved to, and so I connected with her, and we met up for breakfast. And we had this breakfast, and I thought to myself at the end of that breakfast, I think this is going to be the last time that I see her. Hmm. And it wasn't with like a feeling of I was mad or I was upset or anything like that. It was just sort of like, okay, I can see that she's moved in a different direction from me. I don't think that that connection is still really there. It's certainly, I mean, if she ever called and said, I want to go to lunch, I would certainly do it. But it was a really calming feeling. And I think when you can sort of get in touch with what's working for you and being settled in that, that it's super freeing to go, oh, I don't need to force this. All I need to do is look back at the time that we spent together fondly and appreciate, you know, that there were certain times we did funny things together and there were certain things that we would always joke about. And it's okay to not continue that forever. It's okay to let that go. You don't have to, just because you were really good friends with someone, continue on being friends with them. Because the truth is, Marjorie, I mean, we all have a finite amount of time and energy, right? right? I mean, maintaining a friendship does take some effort. What had changed? I think it was just, I don't know. It was a real non-tangible thing. Right. It was just a feeling that it was just sort of like she was just in a different in a different kind of mindset than me. And that was okay. And you that know, was great. It was, it was funny on, on the sort of dropping friends or you don't need to have, you don't have to be friends with everybody. I had a, a very, what I thought was a very good friend who I had worked with for years. And I had sort of maintained it. Like, I could tell the relationship was more one-sided because I would email her and on something, and she'd always email back, but there was never any initiative from her side to me. Okay. And then she was coming to town for something, and I was so excited because I hadn't seen her in, like, 10 years. And I was so excited, and I made a point to go. And as soon as I got there, I realized, like, she was done with me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was such a weird like I kind of felt foolish in the sense that like all these years I had been sort of like and it wasn't a lot of emails because you know me Elizabeth it's not no you're but not it was just so funny to me like oh I get it like I've been cut off like <laughs> <laughs> like I'm okay with that but it was just that moment of like we're sitting together having a drink and it was so clear like she had somewhere else to be and it was like I was sort of not a nuisance I mean I'm sort of overstating it but it was clear and so that's what that was sort of funny to me because it was the first time that it ever really happened other friendships that I've had that have sort of fallen apart just really faded away you know it was just yeah they just faded away on both parts probably but this is the first real like oh like you're breaking up with me friend. <laughs> 
this isn't working for you anymore. Okay, that's hilarious. Yeah, it was a real. That is really funny. I will tell you, really weird feeling though. It's a really weird feeling on the other side of it. It's funny to find new friends too. I mean, as you get older, you know, we all have the friends, and especially I think if you live in Minnesota, people talk about Minnesota being so hard to break into. Oh, yeah. It's really hard to break into a social circle. I don't know if it was like that for you because you moved here from out of state as adults with kids. Yeah, but see, we were different. It's never been that way for us because we were in media and yeah. and all, most of our friends were in media. And yeah. when you work in the media, most people are from other places. But That's other true. people that I knew that moved in that were in sort of more typical jobs, really, really hard in Minnesota to break through. It's funny. I know. And that's, I think that's hard and that's sad that Mm -hmm. it can be a challenge because I think what happens here is people go, let's get together. And then they never actually get together. (laughs) Yeah. Like you guys should come over and then you, and then you don't, you know, we've met new friends. I meet a lot of new friends through work and through my husband's work. We both have very, very social jobs. So we connect with people and kind of find people to connect with. What's funny is that now that I have two children, you know, we do a lot of, especially now that the kitchen is done. I mean, we just had friends over last weekend to watch the Packers game and it was just a total freak thing. I was out with my mom and my sisters and my husband texted and said, Hey, are you good if our friends come over? And I said, well, sure. And he's like, I'll order pizza. We'll just have them over. So I, by the time I got home, they were already over with their four kids and everybody was running around and playing and having a great time. I never remember that from my parents. So my parents, Marjorie, I grew up and they did not have any friends. They had no friends. Zero. So interesting. And here's why it's interesting. It's, well, number one, they both moved from out of state. So when they got to Minnesota, they were in their early 20s. And my dad was a minister. And it's a fascinating thing when you are a pastor's kid to realize that your parents have no friends. And I think things have shifted a little bit, especially in some of these more progressive churches. But, you know, I grew up in a pretty conservative Lutheran denomination. And so there was still this kind of old school separation between the pastor and the rest of the congregation. And so anybody that my parents knew from church, and that was all, those were the only people they knew. I mean, they didn't know anybody else. Anybody that they knew from church really treated them as sort of this separate entity. And I think there was some of that my parents did the same, you know, I think it's a two-way street. I don't think that they made a ton of effort. They also had three little kids. They were broke and they were just trying to struggle through. They didn't have like a lot of time for a date night with each other, much less to foster friendships. But I was thinking about this with my kids, that my kids are so used to having their parents' friends and their kids over or around, or we go visit them. I mean, we go specifically to other cities just to stay with our friends yeah, and, and have our kids all get to know each other. And it's so different from how I grew up. Well, it's so important because what you're modeling is the importance of friendship. And I think what you've talked about with your parents is something that I think is when we talk about best the nest and the importance of friendship within the nest, the important of the importance of friendships, especially female friendships for the woman when you're raising children, it's so important because it takes the pressure off your spouse. Now totally. we've talked about this before about how you say your your spouse shouldn't be your best friend. And I'm very clear on that, I and I will I will understand it if people want to disagree with me. I know. Well, but I, I make do. a blanket statement: your spouse should not be your best friend. You should have your spouse. And then you should have a best friend. (laughs) And I always disagree because my spouse is my best friend. I love him too, but I don't think (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> no. But there's you a, do what works for you. But there's a downside to it, and there was a huge downside to it. And I think I would it would be interesting to talk to your parents about what sort of pressure, extra pressure, that put on their marriage because all they had was each other. It was each other, which yeah. is not healthy. And no. when I really depended, I think because Ian is my best friend, but. Not only was he my best friend, I did not have a lot of friendships where I could have really deep, honest conversations with other mm-hmm. women for most yeah. of my marriage. Yeah. So you can imagine the amount of pressure that that put on him to be everything to me. Right. And when I went into therapy, I think I was 48 or 49, and I've told this story before, but it's so important, and I think it's so important for many people to hear who may not have the friendships that they need to sustain them through difficult times. My therapist looked at me and said, you know, do you have a lot of girlfriends? And I was like, no. And I had, and I please to my friends in Minnesota, I consider you friends. I do. So I always feel bad when I say that because I had lots of friends. But what he was talking about was a deeper level of, mm-hmm. of a girlfriend that you could go to and say, if I wanted to complain about my husband, that I could go and say, this is going on and this is going on. And I really didn't do that. I'm an incredibly private person. So I really didn't have anybody to express those things to other than my husband, which my therapist said is not healthy. And he was just sort of, and I think it was a breakthrough for me, not so much that he said to me, you need girlfriends. What was the breakthrough to me was the look on his face when I said I didn't have any. He just was like, I think they're supposed to not make faces, but like he made a face, like that's not right. And I think part of it is I missed sort of a key period in life of learning how to make friends because I had three sisters. Yeah. And I really used them as my buffer to the world. I really yeah, you had that didn't built in. need much more than that. And then that mm-hmm. just became the pattern as I sort of went through life. And and that's a weird thing to realize about yourself. And I and I look back and I think of the women that I knew even particularly in Minnesota, where I should have maintained those friendships better and I should have taken them to a deeper level because those women were lovely. And I just didn't do it because I felt like I was too busy. And well, those boundaries, being busy, and then the boundaries of how to talk about your spouse to a friend, that's a real tricky one, Marjorie. I mean, it really is because it, you're you're right to be private, and especially when you have a public job like you guys did where your marriage was always out right. in the public eye. Right. That, that idea, I have very – I get real tricky about how I talk about things that are going on with Jay with other people because it's there are few people I mean if your friend loves you so much it can be really easy for them to become jaded on your spouse if if you complain about them right it has to be a mutual complaint they have to complain <laughs> about their spouse too and, and it wasn't just to have friends to complain about your husband it was sure. but but friendships that can relieve the pressure of what your expectation is of your spouse Totally. And I was talking to Ian about this last night, and he said, there is a difference. He was he was saying, there is a difference in you now that you've made an effort to widen your circle of friends. And he said he feels less pressure on how he has to respond to things. It's funny because the joke in our house was, and my sons I consider great friends of mine, but I considered them great friends even as we were all sort of growing up together. But I look back now and it's like I would buy a new dress and I'd make everybody, there was a joke in our family, I'd sort of model it and everybody would have to go, ooh, ah. Like I, they'd have to be girlfriends. 
And so it's like, that's just not right. Like, you should just not force them to be that for you. But he, it was interesting that he said for him, it's been better because he doesn't have to be all facets. He doesn't have to be my girlfriend, my boyfriend, and my husband. That makes it much easier for him. I, yeah, I think that's true. And I think about that a lot with, our, with my relationship with my husband. I mean, there are definitely things that I just don't talk to Jay about, not because it's I don't want to. It's just that I just know there are certain things that we discuss that are more interesting to us. And then there are things I discuss with other people. Right. And, right. And that's, and you know, some of it is just preserving the few moments of time that we have, you know, Jay and I are really busy. We have busy jobs and we have two little kids. So we're in it. And so our time together, I want to maximize by having conversations about things that matter to us where, you know, we don't talk, I don't talk a lot about work with him. There's probably like stories or things that are really cool and important to me at work that I just don't really discuss with him because I don't know. I just don't want to use the time that we have together to talk about work. And that's definitely shifted as we've had kids. Before, I think we used to talk about work more. I used to, you know, I, he knew more of kind of the ins and outs right. of things. And now now that's an evolution. I, I want to talk about male and female friends. I think this is really an interesting dynamic because I've had an interesting thing happen over the last year mm-hmm. that we I made a friend – who is a male. Yes. And then now we are really good couple friends with them. And it's such a fascinating thing. So I met this friend through a work thing and just was like, I just think that he is so delightful. And like, I think he's really great. And then we ran into each other again. And I was like, I was telling my husband about you. And he said, I was telling my wife about you. And we were like, we should, we need to get together for dinner. Isn't this strange? Yeah. And we said, this is sort of a strange thing, but I think we should get together for dinner. So the four of us have now gotten together multiple times and we adore each other. And it is so funny because Jay loves the friend's wife just as much like it's all vice versa and now like the four of us have a group text going and we have like funny jokes and we just really look forward to the time that we get to spend with them and they're a little bit older than us so their kids are a little older than ours oh that's a good thing so it's really lovely because we sort of have like a bit of a different perspective and they kind of talk to us about where they're at with their kids and what they remember and really just giving us some nice grace and some hope for how, you know, how things are and how it's, you know, the good and the bad, that it's not like this forever. Right. But it was, it's been a really funny development in terms of a friendship because that doesn't happen. The only other time, like Jay has a really close girlfriend from growing up and she's married and has two kids and they live in Madison and I adore them. Um, but, you know, they were friends from sixth grade on. So right. it was sort of, that was, she's almost like kind of like a built-in sister And I think that those dynamics of male-female friendships get really interesting. (laughs) Well, I think, you know, if I had to be really honest, I really struggled with that for a good portion of my marriage to Ian because Ian has so many female friends. Oh, totally. And it was when we got married, there were so many women on his guest list. My mom looked at me and she said, does this worry you? (laughs) like, no, it's fine, (laughs) whatever. And then, but what that really, how that played out in life was he just likes women. He likes talking to them. He likes 
being around them. But he's got a lot of guy friends, too. It's very – it doesn't really matter. If he likes the person, he likes the person. For sure. And we talk about you, and it's so funny because he's like, you know, I was Elizabeth's friend first. I'm like, fine, <laughs> you can have that. I'm not trying to claim she's my friend more than she's your friend because he he got to know you first. And But he – the the interesting thing, I think when I was younger, though, I found some of his friendships with women very threatening. And what I realized is, lately, is I realized that it was because I didn't have any male friends. Yeah. Because for me, I was working freelance and I was working in a company that was primarily women. So this idea of this really platonic, healthy, good friendship, I didn't have any experience with that whatsoever. And it's only really been in like the last 10 years where I really have a lot of male friends now because I work with a lot of men that I realized, wow, I should not give it, I shouldn't have given him any grief about it whatsoever. Because there were times where I'd be like, I don't understand why you're going to coffee with her. I don't understand yeah. that. And now I completely get it because it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. It just means your life is richer for it. And he was probably a better husband because of it. Because he really under he he understands a lot of things about me probably through other women. And that's great. But it took me a long time to get used to that being sort of an equal like that that didn't that it didn't really mean anything other right. than you have more friends, which well, what's and wrong that's with true. That? But it's and that's also not the case for everybody. You know, I mean, Ian is such a unique soul too, and so I do think you have to sort of like judge it by relationship because if your husband <laughs> is like going out and having coffee with like a million women, I mean, you might want to have at least a conversation. Like, it's good that you were having conversations about it. Going, okay, hey, there are a little bit of alarm bells going off. Like, what's really what's at the core of this? <laughs> and then when you sort of get to that yeah. place, it's good. I mean, if your husband is like, I'm going out for drinks and dancing with Sue from a Counting, <laughs> you might want yes. to have a little convo about what it is. It is interesting though because I That's have a, a you know I work with co-hosts yeah. on television, which I have forever, and so my co-host and I have to have a great relationship and a great friendship. And it's kind of funny to see. Right, I could imagine. I mean, I just don't. Jay doesn't have that type of relationship with anyone at work that I have with other men at work. And I've thought about, okay, how would I react to that? I think the key is with your spouse is just always making sure that they're involved in the relationship too and having it be this really great thing. And then the other thing is confidence. I mean, you have to be confident yeah. to be able to handle your spouse having other relationships with members of the opposite sex if you're in a heterosexual relationship. And then you also have to have your needs being met by that person and by yourself in order to feel that confidence, I think. I, that's exactly true. And I think the most important thing you said there in terms of if you are going to have a relationship or a friendship with somebody of the opposite sex is that you, you are 100% transparent and welcome your spouse into that relationship. For sure. And I think that that was always what Ian was really good at when he would meet somebody. And I remember him coming home and telling, he would tell me about you. 
He's like, it's there's so this, there's this woman. She's really good at, you know, she's great at her job, and she's just, you really like her. That was always the thing he'd say to me. You really like her. <laughs> you really like her. And then I remember you got sick, and he's like, you know, we know, need to. I didn't really know you. He's like, we need to bring her soup. We just, I'm like, okay. But it was always like, we're gonna go get her soup. It wasn't sort of this. And that's how he always was. Is that you can come with me if you want to have coffee, if you've got time or whatever. You'd like this person. And it's kind of exactly the healthy thing that you did with that couple, which you met somebody that you thought, this is a really cool guy. What do you do? Right away, you bring Jay in. And I think that's why it can work, but it has to be right all there and transparent. It has to be. And and you have to be willing to share that person with your spouse or else it seems other than, which that's, I think, those are the danger signs. It's hard to find couple friends, but what we really look for in couple friends is we look for people, and I think about this a lot with just individual friends too. I look for people that when I end time with them, I feel better. Right. I feel like I want to be better I feel just more connected to my spouse and I feel like I am inspired. And it doesn't have to be every single time because I get it. You know, there's different things that there's different times in people's lives where you have to be there as a friend. But in general, it is that feeling of, of I want to be better. You make me want to be better. And I learned something from you. And that's where, especially with couple friends, when you're around people where you go, gosh, they make our marriage better because we right. have conversations about things or whatever that feels really great. Friendship is important. It's a beautiful thing. Well, it's a beautiful thing. And and again, as it goes back to the nest, I think one, you've got to model how to develop friendships for your kids because it's the friendships that will sustain you. And it's as cliche as it sounds. As you go forward in life, there will be times that are hard. And it's how you've developed sort of that, the group around you that can not only help sustain you through hard times, but can help sustain a marriage through hard times. And I think that's a really, really important thing to remember when you're so busy is how do I make my life feel richer? And friendship is key. It's everything. Bring your friends into your nest, even if you have laundry sitting out. It's, it's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and share it with a friend. If you have a moment, please give us a review at Apple Podcasts. Elizabeth, you are going to love this review from Kim. She said, I listened to this entire podcast on a mother-daughter drive to and from the Pioneer Mercantile in Pawhuska, Oklahoma, and Magnolia in Waco, Texas, all the way from Minnesota. Whoa! I know. They make me want to be a better human. In fact, there's so much helpful info, I get overwhelmed where to start. Love these ladies. I wish I were lucky enough to be their friend. And I would say to you, Kim, if you're listening... We consider you part of our extended friend group. Welcome. So true. Best to the nesters. All the best. Thank you so much, Marjorie. I love that. And please reach out to us. You can find both of us on Instagram at best to the nest or at Eliz Reese and at it's me, Marjorie One. We are also on Facebook and Twitter. We have a Facebook group you can join. And brand new, we have a new website, besttothenest.com. Check it out. You can find all sorts of Best to the Nest fun. We'll be adding more to it. We're even launching a newsletter in the new year. Right, Marjorie? Yes, a and newsletter. Thank, you. thank you to the 61 people that have signed up. You will hear from us shortly. <laughs> Very good. All right, until next time, friends. Until next time.
Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.